we had a meeting with a Munich technology company, and when we told them the, the sales numbers of Trezor and Ledger, they were like, this is amazing. The end consumer is buying like, these little um, USB sticks, high security sticks, which are only built for securing private keys. It's a really a, a, a birth of a new industry, which will expand out. Hey, everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Hey, everybody. Today, we're here with Moritz, and I'm going to try to say, Weidershine, uh, the founder of Spectre Wallet. You probably all heard of that, one of the most recognizable names in the space. Uh, oh, you're the founder. Okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can do single SIG, multi SIG, the Spectre desktop. It's great. It's one of the sleekest UIs in, in the wallet space, in my personal opinion. And I just saw people tweeting about that today. So I, I guess they agree. And uh, yeah, it, you don't need an Electrum server. You can go straight into your node. It's awesome. They even got a hardware wallet. More, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail if you, if we get to that, but, uh, Moritz, how's it going? Thank you for having me on going, going great, doing great. Um, I don't have these, uh, nice funky backgrounds as you are. I have to step up my game, but, um, <laughs> we should make <laughs> it a thing where we like, ha- where we hand out our backgrounds to the guests before we get on there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We had, uh, I think a few episodes ago, Terrence gave oh, him right. his the special color, you know, he fit right in. Nice. It was good. So, uh, yeah, man, how is, how are things at Spectre going and can you kind of give us the origin story of Spectre and how long it's been around and what made you kind of decide to get, you know, found this company, right? Cause you didn't come from, uh, you know, a cryptography, uh, you know, wallet background, right? You were working in the energy industry. Is that correct? Yes. So I, um, worked before I went, went into the rabbit hole. I worked like uh, 10 years in the renewable energy and um, was the sort of finance and sales guy for these projects and uh, sort of the guy who makes sure that um, everything is financeable, bankable with the bank. So you had a bank financing, you've worked with the construction, always with a technical team, with the electrical engineers and everybody. And then you sort of sell it to the investors and have to do all this due diligence and handover and asset management, stuff like this. So always like in a cross-functional team with technical people, but never like an uh, engineer or uh, like always from the, from the more commercial role, finance role. What, yeah. What was, what was the renewable? Um, wind energy. The, wind energy. Like, okay. Yes. It's, you were 10 it's years in this. Okay. I was about 10 years on this. It's really great because um, I was first in an investment bank and then I went for a development company and you come in there and you're like a young guy and they say like, okay, here's a project, 20 million euros, make sure it gets financed, built and sold. And you're like, where do I even start? And Mm -hmm. um, so this is how you sort of learn how to, how to fight yourself through the way there. And um, it's a, it's a great learning experience, but if you, it is, was really disturbing at some point later in the career when you saw 
how many wind turbines were built up and it's pretty crazy in northern germany we we mm-hmm. say we have like asparagus you know like as, mm-hmm. like we have like these wind things everywhere you can't see the landscape anymore so you're destroying the landscape you're building a massive infrastructure to gain some green kilowatt hours and at the same time it's heavily subsidized oversubsidized inefficient inefficient the developers making a killing and um it's and there's a certain role in for, for renewable energy in a electricity system of a country but you cannot you have to you only can push it to a certain limit before the whole thing demand and supply cannot really get balanced out because you need gas turbines and all kinds of stuff and yeah. So it's a it's a mess. <laughs> Government control messed all of it, and it like was really obvious from the from the micro level then out out that you like wow. This how uh, how long into it before you stop running around? Just like you're just doing this as a business, you're getting financing done before you stopped, and you were like, oh, this is this is just it's corruption or it's, it's unsustainable. This is, this isn't about what's best for the grid. It is more about just people are making money and we're just trying to make more money. It's in Germany. It's more illogical. Uh, it's like, it's more ideology driven. It's mm-hmm. not about so much about like, there's some people making money with it, the developers and, and whatever electricity traders and here and there. And, um, but it's more ideology driven. They sort of um, are completely hell bent on like producing electricity this way because they believe that um, shut down nuclear change is did yeah you, no nuclear. Yeah, please. Did your thoughts about I wanted a burning question? Did your thoughts about this industry change from when you started to when you ended, and how, if they did? I left the industry actually because I couldn't continue that. So I wanted to do a career change and probably move over to real estate where like this kind of expertise in which I had like financing, building, selling big infrastructure projects was most looked for. And I actually, at the end of my sort of wind energy project and then i was at working at the end i was working for an investment company one of the biggest in germany for for this kind of stuff and we're structuring funds and you were just seeing like that this thing was just not 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 i couldn't agree with it anymore and i couldn't like put my personal time and 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 conviction into it anymore so so that was that was the reason and then sort of um I, I left that industry transformed jujitsu and then sort of fell into the rabbit hole of bitcoin and i don't know if this is sort of connected or or, or, hmm. or in any way i think Bit- if you train jujitsu you you learn a lot of stuff is not mm-hmm. as it seems from the hollywood movies or whatever mm-hmm. you can, and then the same thing is with bitcoin where you're like um but I had like a background uh, which was preparing me for that um, and not so much the renewable energy side, but I was in Argentina in 2001 during the banking, like just mm. be- before the banking crisis there and was following this always and lived about half a year in Brazil and had a lot of friends in Brazil who told, told me about the hyperinflation in the 90s 
And of course, as any good German, um, my family lost half the fortune in the 23 the hyperinflation mm. and during all the other um, uh, like socialist experiments we, we were playing out. How, how, how fresh in the mind is hyperinflation to the German population, by the way? Just quick, curious. Um, it is subconsciously very strong. The 23 is, uh, is, is still there. It's in the, in the subconscious there. And um, so, like, we have big gold trader companies in Germany called Degusa and Pro Aurum and Hereos and other. So the people like gold and they buy gold. And um, I've, I've been standing all the last years already. There were situations where there were lines before um, the gold, gold stores and people during Christmas especially buy that. And yes, so they're... they're yeah. They love the yellow, the, yellow, yellow rock. The um, it's kind of like interesting, the contrast between growing up in the United States versus growing up in Germany, right? Like what's ingrained into everybody's mind, at least a generation ago, was that great inflation. Where here, you know, as recent as like great grandfathers or grandfathers, they would tell you about how tough it was during the Great Depression here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Similar burned into our memories which is a great deflationary period so here everybody's terrified in the back of their minds of this great deflation whereas mm -hmm. in germany it's the opposite right so it's like beware of the inflation because that you know which one is worse i guess is the is the question depending well, on the situation I think they you're both in. lead to the same terrible outcome of <laughs> right uh, inability to transact i would say like to inability store value. to have communication. It's like a communication layer breakdown. Yeah, either, the, every, yes. either everything becomes more expensive to the point where no matter if your paycheck's billions, trillions, it doesn't matter, or everything is so inexpensive that nobody grows it, nobody builds it, and then it just goes away. No matter how much money you have, you can't buy it. So um, interesting. And so you're in Brazil and you didn't fall down the jujitsu rabbit hole there. You fell down it later. Yes, I was there later, but then came back and had a lot of conversation with friends, okay. and so that was that was that. Yeah. So were you yeah. in? Were you in like a a rear naked choke, and somebody's like, "Stop shitcoining," you know, by Bitcoin? How how did the rabbit holes connect? Right. <laughs> no, no, this friend of mine mentioned. She mentioned to me like, "Oh, blockchain is going to change the world," and I went on the Wikipedia article, and it was like what what does actually work here like and that was my question like what does actually work and then it was bitcoin and then it took me like 2017 highly confused through the bull market to sort of um develop a stronger and stronger bitcoin only a conviction and um yes so like this was like the learning year and then um Back in, back in these days, like you had every month basically a hack into a hardware wallet, which was like, if you understood the technical stuff. And I ran into a quantum physicist in, in Germany, a Russian guy called Stepan Snigirev, um, uh, who was working at the Max Planck Institute at that time. And through conversation with him, where I was going, like going through the Trezor or Ledger hacks or what, what, what not happened. And he explained like the implementation mistakes and uh, the, the sort of real fuck ups that happened back then. Um, it became obvious that we want to do something in space and do something better. And you were really like 
Like we don't have this these days anymore. We don't have we have months without any serious vulnerabilities being discussed. And in the old days, like 17, 18, 19, yeah. it was like wow. Like you couldn't can you, sleep. <laughs> yeah. Could could you like are you able to like explain like on five sort of situation what some of those exploits in the past were and, and like what in hindsight, you know, it was like it's probably obvious now, but you know, what were they doing that were making them vulnerable with like just not using a good enough random number generator. Uh, it's kind of the, just a bunch of keys issue where you didn't have deterministic wallets and people would just lose track of all their private keys. Is it? Um, it was more like in the, like it wasn't like the hardware wasn't usually the problem. So the mm -hmm. random number generator or something like this wasn't really, usually it was um, small, like, teams which were very idealistic about it trying to build something completely new and didn't have the budget to go to like serious security review teams let's say the likes of Fraunhofer Institute like in Munich where you come with your firmware and they check that you do certain um, things the right way mm -hmm. and that that in, in the way that the, the connection is established the communication is established um, that you think that you do the best practices when you do want to do specific things like this. So uh, it's a time, it's a long time back, and I don't want to dive sure. too deep into the into this, and, and uh, because I, it would probably be embarrassing for me to try to put this <laughs> together also. But it it was pretty pretty amazing what happened. And I mean, I could pick up one one which was. Which was Bitbox. Um, you can look it up. This was Salam Rashid, which was a hacker these days, like a 14, 15 year old kid, which was just basically taking, in this case, Bitbox apart and um, really telling them to to get some more adult adult supervision. And they fixed it now with a big spawn zero two. It was a huge shocker for them, and they stepped up their game significantly. And I haven't heard back from any issues about the bitbox to say so. But back at the time, everybody was scratching their head, like, "What are you actually selling here?" Right. So it kind of it kind of emphasizes the fact that every, there's no there's no perfect solution. There's no perfect security. Everything's a trade off, and we're and we're we still don't understand yeah. all of. The technology we built, and then all of the um, dependencies that we built fully, we just we're kind of using these best practices, as you say, um, mm -hmm. and these strategies, and these, and we're learning along the way and trying to make it more secure as we go. But like this, it kind of emphasizes the fact there is no perfect solution. Yes, and and some of the trade offs that it, that we make compared to other networks are just kind of. Maximus are kind of saying, listen, you're making too many trade-offs. This is faster in this sense, but over time, it's going to be unsustainable. There's going to be too much technical debt. Slow down. And, mm -hmm. and we know what works and what's secure. And let's slowly build on that so we don't open ourselves up to these massive losses, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I, what we sort of... Um, Stefan and me and, and a few others, like the more we were digging into this rabbit hole of hardware wallets and how to build something more secure and unhackable, you realize like basically everything can be hacked. Um, it's just a matter of budget, having the right brains and enough time 
to throw at this problem and you will you will get to it it and it has led us also to the design of, of of Spectre and especially being multi-vendor friendly. That is like we're not building on our like with Spectre desktop, we're not building also, we're not supporting only our hardware wallet. And it was clear from the beginning that we wanted to work with all the, the great tools that we have in the market, even like like the shitcoin crypto hardware wallets. And um, so that you can have different signers. So you can construct a multi-sig wallet from the different keys you have and you have um, have them on a multi-vendor approach and, and on different hardware wallets. And um, in this way, you can construct something which is significantly orders of magnitude more um, secure and resilient to, to, to hack approaches. So so is it would it be fair to say that maybe part of your motivation for starting Spectre and maybe you know a lot of the motivation for some of the emphasis of security by so many people online you know example is like the paranoia like you've got all this money and you've got mm -hmm. it in this wallet or you've got it in this cold store and you're you're hearing all these hacks and all of these stories about people losing and you're like oh shit like this pair i gotta build something unhackable so this cannot be stolen from me and like you're yeah. always thinking that way Yes, I mean the the one thing was this, like to how to how to help people protect their funds, how to help ourselves protect our funds in a, in a better way, and on the other side, like developing sort of a fascination for this cryptography and for the private key itself, as uh, as we're moving more into this information age, and for um, we had a meeting with a Munich technology company. And when we told them the, the sales numbers of Trezor and Ledger, they were like, this is amazing. They never ever had a like situation before where they heard somebody tell them the end consumer is buying like these little um, USB sticks, high security sticks, which are only built for securing private keys. They were like, we never seen something like this, and it's a really a, a birth of a new industry, which will expand out. Because, like, if you see now, we have for Nostra. I think we have a Nostra hardware wallet. I haven't been. I didn't have the time to really dog in dig into that, but oh. we're not only going to secure money with it. We want to also secure our digital ID on mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like a hardware wallet. You will right. Like, there's your like damn the damn the man the identity but you also will have a digital identity which you control yes. and it, the, this will be built on this kind of hardware wallet infrastructure do you think I, I, there was a lot of talk about this digital identity and how are we going to have decentralized identity um for the past few years and then noster pops up and it mm -hmm. seems like it seems to me like that's probably how it's going to manifest emerge is it's yeah. going to be through something like Nostra, if not Nostra itself, where you can use any relay, you can sign into any client that mm -hmm. is your digital identity effectively, right? Your timeline, your notes, your data, your DMs, that is mm -hmm. the stuff that, you know, it's like you see the memes where it's like, do you want the world to see your, your DMs or would you rather just, you know, go and Mm -hmm. this, I don't want anybody to see it. Right. So that's what you're protecting, right? Your thoughts, you're protecting your mm -hmm. thoughts. Um, so do you think that's the way it's going to probably go kind of be, or at least the catalyst will be something like Noster. The catalyst will be something like Noster that, that as a sovereign individual, you will want to have like a private key with you 
in a way that you can use it, interact it. So I was always thinking about something like a watch, which you were like a, like it's more, more like, not like an Apple watch, which is like highly connected and not really secure or, or in a way, or like over-engineered in some kind and like a gadget, over-engineered gadget for what I take it, but something which simply more like a Casio, like a cheaper model, which is um, allowing you to log in into a website to authenticate yourself um, with a quick pin you can put in and and uh, like you have to have it on, on your wrist and, and maybe not in your phone. But like I on your keychain, like a YubiKey. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, something like this. So, it, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so the back to specter real quick like the and you told we had this conversation privately in person mm -hmm. but uh when the the logo the the ghost right when i oh, saw yeah. that i was like i didn't know the backstory for why you chose the ghost and why you chose the name of the company right but uh um, mm -hmm. i thought it was my there was a conspiracy theory i think i saw it was like oh you know, spooks uh, the spooks, the, the government, <laughs> the state, whoever's trying to break in, you know, back door in the, the, the ghost is like a spook, man. He's their talent. It's like the Satoshi NSA. Is this all a, is this all an inside joke? Right. But that's not yeah. what it is. Right. Yeah, it, it's not totally not. <laughs> you just, you, you've just been smoking too much pot. Yes. Um, yes. That's true. <laughs> no. Um, like it came up with, um, of course, we were looking for like we had a terrible company name before and we were looking for something better. And of course, I was looking around and getting spied. And what was what was the what was the name before? Was it Moritz's Unhackable Wallets? <laughs> it was like Crypto Advance. And then crypto was complete was associated with complete shit coinery. And we're like, we want to advance crypto cryptography. And like now it's like an unusable a word or name in especially in, in bitcoin circles i would say so like i stumbled across the first line of the i think it's the crypto anarchist manifesto i think mm -hmm. um a specter is haunting the world the specter of crypto anarchy which is actually the cypherpunks or the crypto anarchist timothy may trolling um, the communists because the first line in the communist manifesto is a specter is haunting the europe um, the spectrum of communism. So they were trolling them back. And so we like the spectrum. And my CTO came back and said, Morris, is a really stupid idea because there is a vulner vulnerability called spectra. And I was like, this is, this is very on brand for us because we understand that everything can be hacked, as I explained before. So we, we, we have to embrace that we we know that everything is sort of there are vulnerabilities and it's an it's an you're in an infinite game you're in an endless game against these these vulnerabilities and um it has nothing to do with james bond or anything and uh, the the logo the sort of blinky from pac-man which was just like for the first prototype Stepan just put it on said okay Moritz, we're calling this thing specter now and um you you gotta deal with blinky now and then Blinky was a great thing. Um, we we love the the Pac-Man Blinky because, I mean, you can go through an airport with a Blinky T-shirt and nobody, everybody thinks you're wearing a Pac-Man shirt, and only Bitcoiners will think like, hey, this is probably a, a Spectre guy or Spectre fan or like a Bitcoiner or whatever. You you are you are thinking about if you should strike up a conversation or not. 
<laughs> so, uh, you kind of mentioned a few times the, as a German, you're, you've got like the socialism, the communism, like that threat looming over for mm -hmm. most of, you know, most of your life, your parents' life, your grandparents' life. Um, and that's like this looming threat that's coming is the, so I, I assume that like the desire to protect like your, your capital, mm -hmm. your, just your property yeah. is been in the back of your mind. So like, what was, were you a gold bug before this or does, you know, and I can tell you a bit of the background of the, of the story. So um, on my my mother's side, um, the, the uncle sort of in 23 blew the whole thing in the inflation by miss, miss, uh, being traumatized from the First World War and then blowing the whole thing in a whatever huge party, basically, and um, bad investments. And on my father's side, um, the it was they were landowners and had like big farms and uh, in the in eastern germany which became a part of poland so basically the family property was crushed between a war between international and national social socialists which is the well it's the two different sides from the same shit coin i would say and um yeah so the we lost everything there and my my grandparents um like my father grew up in in this in this house but but they still had these memories of what they lost so like losing and you hear these stories from like from the family that some smart aunt they had a house in the alps and the mountains and she went with a bag of silver coins and gold coins which was like illegal to own at that time was hiding some fortune there to just to get it through the war so yes so it's asset protection is like at least for me in a, a, a big topic and uh, and probably caused a lot of the my bitcoin fascination that you actually can run out if you have to if you have to be a refugee like my grandparents and run away from the russians in this case um you can take your asset with you and have the 12 words in your head so this is a is, a, is an amazing feature for bitcoin oh yeah um what what are your thoughts on the, the current state of where Europe is going? Their economic situation is, I don't know if it's worse than ours, or it's about the same, but uh, the whole socio-political, um, which are you, are you, are you uh, optimistic about their near-term future? Yeah, I'm so, do you live there? <laughs> I'm so optimistic that I, two years ago, I, I actually had to pack it up also for our um, amazing, uh, like uh, politics during the um, pandemic oh, and yes like the current situation is really bad like we have a green party a green socialist party and it's like the same socialism just with like green flavor to it and people are uh, losing their mind and you can't discuss the science anymore and go back and forth on it and then at the same time, we want to protect the climate, but we can sort of start a war with a, a major nuclear power. And in the course of everything, uh, pipelines start blowing up and stuff. So I think Europe is in for a really rough time. And if I look back in history, like 100 years ago or 70 years ago, 80 years ago, like it's not the place to be um, for the next probably 20 years. 
because they um yes they are in self-destruction mode again <laughs> um yeah so similar to europe here right they i guess you could say they don't they can't talk about the science or they can't you can't um recognize obvious objectivity in, in science right like these things that we mm -hmm. kind of took for granted most of us growing up and then you if they're doing that at this you know cultural level uh medical level mm -hmm. when it comes to your rights when it comes to you how you express yourself online or how you secure your assets with technology mm -hmm. these things we kind of taken for granted as these rights they probably aren't going to recognize those either at some point so yes. when it comes to if you're a European, like in your Bitcoin, or you're worried about your ability to legally own it, mm -hmm. if it, maybe it's on an exchange and it's you're worried about its safety, what do you see about, or do you think that Europe's going in that direction where it's it's going to be hostile to, to holders? Oh, yeah, it's going to be really hostile. I mean, about two years ago, they started a feasibility study on a European asset registry, and you... Basically, they did a feasibility study and saying, okay, all stocks, all real estate, all um, like collectibles, art, gold, and crypto assets should be registered in this crypto asset or uh, in this um, European asset registry. And back then it was like, ah, this is just a study, don't freak out. And like, I think four weeks ago or something, they started voting on it. Of course, everything has now like a spin to anti-money laundering and sanctions, and we have to be able to control uh, uh, illicit activities and have to make sure that we can execute on sanctions and stuff. But you can really see that these kind of AML asset registry is, is coming. And they will... So my, my conspiracy theory on this is that if you use a ledger, and we know that ledger is tracking the amount of uh, crypto assets they have under custody, to say so. Um, apparently, they're not connecting it to IP addresses or specific ledger devices they send out. It would be probably easy to do that. And um, I think at some point, um, the regulator will come in and say, okay, guys, what you're operating here is you may not have the private key, but you're operating a, a payment infrastructure. You're receiving transaction, you're verifying transaction, you're preparing transaction, you're broadcasting transaction for the user. We want to know who your users are. They have to do KYC AML on your platform in your Ledger Live, let's say, or Trezor Suite, people have to put in their tax ID number, and then we have to uh, sort of tax every transaction, or at least we have to put this into an API of a European asset registry. I think oh, so. So they they could they could technically, so instead of not just paying like minor fees, they could tack mm -hmm. on like a Sats tax yes. just to transact if you have to use one of these centralized servers even though you've got cold storage you've got your self-custody if you want to use mm -hmm. that wallet to sign a transaction yes. you got to pay a tax if you're using yes. ledger treasure is, is that goes through them as well right yes yeah i mean this could be like an additional there's a fee to the miners and then in these wallets there's a fee to um to the to the to the transaction a financial transaction fee which was also being discussed and um the regulation is like this you have this text number we have to put this in and um 
then you need some uh, a serious letter from somebody sent to the user in Germany saying, you know, um, we know from Trezor and Ledger and others that you probably have this amount of Bitcoin, which you bought uh, on these exchanges. So we estimate you have this amount of Bitcoin. Please, first of all, we need a sort of war solidarity, European solidarity payment um to send us 10% of your 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 coin and um for ne all every next transaction 1% has to go to the state yeah I like i could see with all this fud about energy or uh, climate right like they could say mm -hmm. okay we will let you use this we won't ban it but because we think that it's bad for the climate because of the miners you have mm -hmm. to pay a, you know a green fee for all your transactions, whether it's through an exchange or through one of these wallets. Now you, now your transactions are like, if in some places in Europe, you could pay like what, 25, 30, 100% sales tax. We could pay a hundred percent transaction mm -hmm. taxes or something mm -hmm. through one of these laws. So yeah, that's, a, didn't think of that until now. Does, yeah. so, does mm -hmm. Spectre solve this problem? Um, the, well, it's, it solves it in a way that if you run, so let's just uh, quickly explain what's, what Spectre um, is Please, and yeah, I did want to go why, it, why it became so popular. I mean, we have other solutions out these days, but Spectre was like sort of the, the first uh, real hardware wallet, like it was the second, uh, um, second um, desktop wallet after Electrum, which allowed you to connect your... Um, uh, hardware wallet with your Bitcoin core node. So basically we wrote like a user interface with a nice UI and you could connect this user interface to your Bitcoin core node and you can actually have your Bitcoin core node um, give you a nice user interface to create single SIG wallets and multi-SIG wallets. So this improves your privacy because you're running your own infrastructure. You're not using the, the manufacturer's backend or anything. Um, you are running your own node and you, that's what you should do as a Bitcoiner. You should verify the transactions on yourself on your own infrastructure. And third, it gives you full control of your Bitcoin. So um, this makes it a significantly better choice than using some infrastructure from a, from a hardware wallet manufacturer where they run the backend and you just plug in basically with a USB or just basically plug in your, your little crypto token uh, Trezor or Ledger. So yes, and that was like the first um, hardware wallet uh, Bitcoin core integration to say so. So, and in this sense, it, it, it's, a, it's a better solution. Um, I would say, of course, if you buy the Bitcoin on any exchange and you withdraw, like the exchange knows where you send it and maybe keeps the register of it um, and can report this. So we do not have a coin join integration at the moment. Um, we were looking at join market and everything, but I mean, with a small development team, we didn't have the, the resources and time to get to that. We have an extension model where you can spin something up and this is something we would like to do in the next years. At the moment, I would say our priority is to help people to custody their Bitcoin themselves on their private key with their core node. We have a liquid functionality. I don't think uh, we haven't tested it on the new version, 
there's very little traction on it, unfortunately. But Liquid has confidential transaction, um, and you 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 cannot see which amount was sent and which which crypto asset was sent. So you can either send Liquid Bitcoin, a stable coin, uh, some uh, YoYo coin you can make up yourself, or some also regulated security um, which you which you can spin up on on Liquid. And maybe Bitcoin bonds, hopefully in the next bull market at some point. So there's this this functionality, and I think it's much underrated um, and much underused this infrastructure. And it it will get its usage when the when the pressure is there, when the fee pressure especially is there on the Bitcoin on chain layer, and um, it needs another step of of infrastructure build out and and of course cost pressure on the on chain layer. I think when the on chain transaction costs five or 10, 10 bucks, the lightning will explode, and but also liquid will will significantly uh, see more adoption. Is uh, does that mean, or maybe maybe I'm just putting words in your mouth or, or attributing something to you? But does that mean you're not super? Um, bullish on lightning being a the great solution or just not no, necessarily no, 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 no. for okay okay it's 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 not uh, like why not both is is yeah the, okay yeah sure okay okay it's like like i'm really bullish for lightning on all things payment i don't like to see this whole taro thing there and stable coins and i don't think right, i think right. it's not necessary if you look into the bitcoin beach wallet which is i think called blink now you have stable sets so you can yes receive lightning and convert it into a us dollar balance and um, on the other side um liquid is offering something different and i think it's more like a financial system like sure, that sure. you can okay. create a security regulated um in luxembourg or in el salvador and you can issue a bond you can issue you issue okay. equity and stuff like this yeah so, so you don't I think have it's to two different tools your, yeah you don't have to keep your stocks at a brokerage or at a big bank that's gonna you know yes whatever right because another example is like if 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 dan decides to move to el salvador and you have a brokerage with charles schwab and I do, charles, yes. and charles schwab tells you oh you're moving to el salvador nor but you cannot be our customer anymore or you move to some um tax haven in Panama yes. or in Monaco and people say like we don't want to we don't want you as a customer anymore what do you do you have to sell all your stocks and that's that's a problem and but with 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 liquid token is it's it's more tied to your uh to your private keys and you can basically get on a plane and and and, and move yourself and it's a secondary discussion i think nice um yeah, we actually had uh, somebody from Blink Bitcoin Beach Wallet on the previous episode, and we talked about that. I think stable sets are, are pretty cool for payments. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? Oh, so go ahead. I well, I had a, a question that would totally, <clears throat> totally, totally derail us. So do it, Dave. Do it. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, here we go. What do you think? You you may be able to speak to this just because of your past and that's what made me think of the question is what do you think that the push for green is like what 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 how, well, how did the push for green come to be why is it the, the push for green like we're all feeling that you know what i'm saying but like what, yeah, of course. why did that come about do you, yeah is it a control thing or is it uh something that started so, 
you know, I, I, I think that, you know, I was one of these guys that was all, you know, rah-rah to the solar panels, you know. <laughs> I thought like it's super interesting when I was like coming out of university, like this, like you know these mirrors which like concentrate the 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 heat into like a tube of oil, and you can you have this massive plants, and I think it was already in Gataka and like in these movies, it was just like amazing. And you want to build this kind of future where you can say, okay, we can we can have these infrastructures. Um, I think it comes from two sides. I think there's a general genuine. Uh, people who see like all this plastic, see all this pollution, see like the rivers. Like in Germany, we had terrible pollution in the rivers in the 60s, 70s, coming out of the economic boom times. And uh, people wanted to clean this up and people care about a clean environment. And um, I would say like the sustainability. And I'm, I don't have a car, you know, okay, I fly here and there, but like I'm not a big consumer. And the other thing where it comes from more is like this club of Rome thinking that there is uh, just a certain amount of resources and and I don't and then of course like in Germany we had like the big dying of the forest we called Waldstern like the dying of the forest which was a big topic in the eighties like acid rain acid rain acid yeah. rain like get into the house the acid rain is coming like you we were traumatized as kids about this and then there was chernobyl and you hear like these stories like the radioactive clouds are coming over munich and people are growing big ears or whatever and and you can't go into albanians the, man uh, albanians <laughs> yeah so this is where like this sort of uh, like very ideological driven germans come from also with chernobyl like, I mean, it's completely insane. Like to switch off all your world-class nuclear power plants. Like the Germans, we had world-class power plants. People come to us to buy yeah. the Siemens shit. And on the other side on the world, there is a power plant bowing up, Fukushima, and everybody just keeps operating their power plants. Just the Germans are losing yeah. their mind. And Mrs. Merkel wants to win a regional election and just says, okay, we switch off 11 power plants now. Just taking the whole electricity market of one of the leading nations and industry nations in the world and just puts the whole thing upside down. It's it's insane. Like, um, so Does the, And the population wants that? Yes, that's that's the crazy part about it. Like, I mean, even, even with the high prices, they're they're it's still changing now. Okay. It's changing now. The Greens were projected to win in the last election with 25, 30 percent or something, with massive support of the propaganda of the mainstream media. It was insane. Like the, Annalena Baerbock, the foreign minister, which we have now, she was on everywhere. She was so incompetent that she managed to reduce the polls for the greens from 25 30% to 15% and they're still in the government now and they're still pushing their nonsense but everybody except from the right wing party AFD or like the right wing which is like a normal conservative party to my understanding which was a normal conservative party 20 years ago everybody also the the merkel party the conservative the former conservative party everybody is sort of green and wants to be in this sustainability and uh, thing. And then now it takes on like these really extremist, um, this extremists. Uh, populist, populist, populist um, yes. immigrant stuff, yeah. And I had a really interesting moment in 2019. 
15, I think, in the summer. There was like the Fridays for Future, like when the kids don't go to school anymore because they don't want to go to school and they go to the to the street party and, and it's the demonstration. So there was a demonstration in Munich with like 10, 20,000 people on this Friday and they were all going down the Schellingstraße. And in the Schellingstraße, um, you must know, it's like a nice university neighborhood and there is like one house which was sort of the garage startup office of the National Socialist Party. And they still have, you can see the garage where you can go in and they still have the the eagle and the eagle sits on a, on a little symbol, which was the swastika. They just hammered out the swastika. And I was standing on the street, looking over the street and these people with this Extinction Rebellion flags came down the came down the road and you could see behind sort of the startup garage bureau of the Nazis. And I was like, wow, I had to, I took a picture of this because it was just so intense this moment that you can see, okay, here we go again. Some socialist ideology got whipped up by, I don't know, the mainstream media, the elites or whatever. And people are in such a frenzy that they are now gluing themselves to the street. They are climbing into airports. They are destroying uh, museums and paintings. They are spraying like, and then they, then they are getting ordered in front of the judge. And instead of showing up on the judge, they are sitting on a plane to Thailand and shit like this. So it's like, it's, it's the same dynamic in different colors and a different narrative yeah. and remix again. They change the uniforms and change the names, but nothing really yes. changes. Yeah. It, yeah, it sort of gives me this this thought. Like it's like the destruction of fine work. That's what it is. Like the destruction of work itself. Of like history that's of of yeah proof of of anything built. The blood, sweat, and tears from the past that's tearing it down, right? Like it's a yeah. spit, spit in it the does, face. It, I'd say at this point, it does feel like more of an, a, an emergent property. You know, these sorts of like flare-ups of ideology and, um, I, I don't know. I, I just yeah, based on of... based on scarcity. You know, it's like there's not yeah. enough food. There's not enough yes. energy. There's everything's it manifests itself in high costs, and people can't afford it. Scarcity I think is expensive. Like like I think what is underestimated is that if you have zero or negative interest rates, it's such a massive behavior driver. It's it's such a driver from how you behave, how your time horizon is, that we often underestimate this. People want their shit now, they want to consume now. It's everything is is now, now, now. They see people having, you know, on Instagram with yachts and just living this yes. great life. And they're like, I don't care about the future. I want that life now. Yes. And and on top of it, you have this kind of Instagram life, this influencer stuff going, which is like when I went to school, like people who were coming to school on Monday and were bragging about which exclusive club they were and how many bottles of whatever alcohol they bought into this for hundreds of dollars which they are or thousands of euros which they didn't earn which just given them from their spoiled parents or they were just spoiled by their parents we were looking down on these people like these guys were like bragging about some bullshit and now it's like instagram and all these kind of platforms have like escalated this like it's it's okay to brag on instagram all the time right Shit. so it's it's yeah. no it's necessary it's necessary to work on instagram 
Right. You don't exist. It's the way to get your message out, I guess. You don't like, this is the funny thing about uh, like, I don't have Instagram and, um, but my girlfriend and me, we were traveling and we were in a group of people and there was like two like younger girls, like early twenties or whatever. And they were like asking like, what's your Instagram? And we were like, I don't know. We don't have Instagram. And they were like, what? Oh, like they, they said in, 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 they were in Brazil and they, they said on projects of uh, Instagram basico. So uh, Instagram is the basics. Like if you don't, if you don't yeah. have this, you don't exist. Right. And it's, it's also like true if you're like dating and the, like the, if you go out and ask the guy, what's your Instagram? And he doesn't want to tell you your Instagram. Then you're already suspecting that he wants to hide his his life and his, his like, identity has, his identity probably has a girlfriend is just cheating on you now so like right. you have you're forced into this transparency anyways you know right so it's 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 getting funky out there <laughs> so what's uh what is it now that you've been in bitcoin this long that like really fascinates you like what 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 uh sub rabbit hole are you going down now about how it can change behavior how it can change society or how it can just change for the better for you for your life i mean when i got into bitcoin like and i had a really good year 2017 i was like i want to be part of a group who really drives adoption of bitcoin forward and as a friend of mine said like if we if this bitcoin thing doesn't succeed and we don't have hard sound money technology for the 21st century we are pretty much screwed because the people with the rainbow hairs and who are gluing themselves to the street they're, they're going to take over we have to defund this whole also the whole mainstream thing has to be defunded there has to be a new media thing with individual voices which you sort of like so we need to to get this bitcoin thing right and then i think what is like something that the Nostra is exciting. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening overall in Bitcoin. Um, but if I look to the meat space, what really is interested is uh, interesting is I think the free private cities or free cities foundation, the free cities movement, where you where you look at another sort of governance model for how to live together. Because if you believe Hans Hermann Hoppe, then democracy is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> and it can't possibly work it's basically there's there's socialism which is like communism light and then there's sort of democracy which is communism light light or whatever and um, it's sort of everything I will observe is like that stuff always is sort of degenerating from this order liberal well-working thing this is the story of Germany we come out of the second world war we have all the liberal like very libertarian economy minister and 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 people who put like the big rocks in first and then the whole thing just over the decades sort of degenerates and now we have we, the Germans say we have DDR 2.0 and DDR is Eastern Germany like uh, Eastern Germany 2.0 at the moment like this is where we are it's like, it's like some it's like light version of it it's like cycles, right? Like these cultural mm -hmm. or revolution or generational cycles. Like I guess some people refer to it as the fourth turning coming. It yes. just feels like that's something like that. So yeah, I think I definitely can. So see the it. funny thing is, like with, with when we succeed with Bitcoin and Bitcoin becomes the primary store of value and the primary payment mechanism, and it becomes 
global money, we don't have hyperinflation. So we break the cycle of hyperinflations. And then when we think about free cities and how to change these kind of governance models, we can actually sort of break these redistribution socialist things. So I would I would love to see it, not a European super state and the United States of Europe or whatever. I would like to see a Europe of regions uh, and a, a Europe of a thousand Liechtensteins to say so, of small yeah. 30, 40,000 people, communities and cities and regions which which collaborate together. That yeah, seems like an enormous distribution of like land and ownership of things. Distribution or the things that uh, you're what you're describing. It just I just imagine like you have these regions that you're talking about, like America, mm -hmm. uh, Europe. It just seems like if you want to break that down into, I guess, pieces of you know, like satoshis, I guess, or something like that. You have more mm -hmm. um, uh, units of land per person, so it's like you can own more in that situation. I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean we we well we came from a situation where farms had much smaller sizes and it wasn't like this big industrial operation. A lot of more people were working in the agricultural area. But I think we can already see it as in like I, the US is we can go to the US, but in Europe we can we only we don't only have this the divide between North and South Europe along the euro so they're the, the big countries portugal italy greece and spain and the rich holland and denmark and germany and and so what you have seen now much more is a cultural divide between the east and the west and what i think is the whole thing is going to break at at the cultural divide that the hungarians and the polish mm. at some point say mm. guys we're too conservative for your sort of uh new normal uh gender fluid uh, bohemian lifestyle bohemian extinction mm -hmm. like um, thing. Thing. Yeah. yes and they still have a better memory of communism about socialism and have no they don't want to be ruled by the by moscow through the soviet soviet union and they don't want to be ruled through brussels they want to just trade and be part in a mm -hmm. sort of club which is where you have a defense agreement, but you're not telling your neighbor what to do, basically. So I think right. the, the Hungarians are the next to, to break out. But in, in the US, I mean, you have the, the same discussions, like, oh yeah, like, how do you put together Texas and yeah. LA and San Francisco and, and yeah. New York and Florida? It's not unlikely that there will be uh, sort of at least a serious, serious discussion around this in the next... Right, some of and some of the friction between these different regions in Europe, right? Like some people have the natural resources, some people have the financial centers, the fiat centers, mm -hmm. and the fiat centers. Well, they they both kind of need each other in a certain sense, but at the end of the day, when you have the the energy and the food, and the other people, mm -hmm. all they have is money that's hyperinflating, or mm -hmm. in the United States, deflating, and then it becomes you know people lose everything. Mm -hmm. um, that's when you start to see the the breakdown really occur. It's like, well, you, we got what you need. You're not serving us anymore. Piss yes. off. Yeah. You have the gold coin in the desert. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I have another question. Unless you have something, I don't want to derail us again. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, 
again, from your previous comments, do you think there's a connection between jujitsu and hacking? Mm. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. You have to, like, or can you talk about it? Yeah. You're finding, you're finding that vulnerability. Uh, they're tired. Uh, maybe they don't protect, uh, their, their right arm from this position. Right. So you can get an omoplata or you can get a, mm-hmm. you, but you got to wait, you have to wait for the perfect time to strike and you're, you're just solving, you're solving a problem and you're, you're finding weaknesses and you're trying to exploit mm-hmm. those weaknesses. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, more, com- it's, it's generally more compared to um, chess, like yes. human chess. And, uh, but it has also something to do with hacking because like, there are like these tricks and you just, you come back to this problem and you're every, every time you you roll with somebody or you go first, you learn a new technique and then you roll with somebody and everybody is a different role. And like everybody has a different style of rolling. And then every time you roll with something, it's usually never exactly the same thing. And um, yes, so there's yeah. a, it's and in end, what is very um, interesting with jujitsu is it it like a intense sport like basketball. So it it even more takes you completely out of anything where you are very focused on. Like if you go there and you're like chewing on a problem, if you go into jujitsu and you have somebody and just anybody like can be a white belt also. And he gets you into a good choke or lock position and you just made a mistake because you were thinking about how to secure your bitcoin or some shit like you are in trouble so and you have to concentrate 100 percent to get out so it's a very good way to disconnect from any shit around and i think if you can manage to like roll with your purple belts or black belts and whatever then and get choked by them if you get choked by these kind of people then you come back to Bitcoin or clown world and you say like, this is actually pretty entertainment here. Uh, nice problems to solve. And if it's clown world is like, okay, like how, how do I hack this? So it's, it's everything becomes more relative. Um, and just like in hacking uh, in jujitsu, you can choose to use the brute force method uh, to try to win, but uh, it's going to take a lot of energy and a lot of, a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, other otherwise you better learn to finesse you know what i mean mm-hmm. yes um hell yeah man so before we kind of wrap up here uh you know some a lot of our listeners some of them are new or to bitcoin right like and they and they're learning it they're on their journey and they don't necessarily use um some of these more advanced security features some of these advanced mm-hmm. uh home wallets but specter is coming to soon going to be available for um, multi-signature custody through swan right so you'll be so similar to like unchained you'll be able to get Is a, that right? you know, hard hardware wallets and you'll be able to have you know a more guided with access to like concierges and stuff to kind of help yes. you get comfortable with this next layer of security yeah, so we are building a, a Swan custody solution there, which is a multi-sig um, wall. And basically, at the moment, like you have, yes, you have products like Unchained and, and, and Casa. And basically, what's happening, we are bridging between the people who have custody in a in a platform like BitGo or 
or Prime Trust uh, or Swan to say so. And on the other side, you have these people who are setting up two or three wallets, uh, multi-sig wallets with a um, cold card with a ledger and a third device and basically doing this on Spectre and Sparrow and living in a Faraday cage. And what we want to provide is a solution for people to be able to move um, their funds into a solution or at least like maybe like a part of their funds into a solution where they control it, but they don't have to overcome all these technical thresholds. And um, yes, for people who are new to Bitcoin, I can just recommend that it's it's very fascinating to get into all the different rabbit holes and the Bitcoin standard on um, all the podcasts of uh, Breedwolf and Michael Saylor and so on. And there's a ton of literature out these days, but they shouldn't miss to master the fundamentals. And the fundamentals is really your keys, your coins, and have this really nailed down and see what are the right solutions for the amount of money they have, the skin of skin they have in the, in the game. And they should always think, when I buy Bitcoin at 20,000 or 25,000, I don't know where we are at the moment, but it could be very quickly five or ten times this kind of value when the money printing goes 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 um, goes again, and so like really master the fundamentals and try to become a little bit more technical and maybe sometimes a macro podcast less and like some digital uh, custody is uh, master these fundamentals. Look into and get hands on if you. Set up a wallet. You don't have to send into the wallet immediately all your funds. Put a hundred bucks in it. Become comfortable, familiar with it. Recover it. Recover it on maybe two different solutions, and you will see that it is not rocket science. So I think right. that's that's right. that's something I want to really like emphasize. Yeah, it, literally, what you're saying is just like teaching, telling somebody who's new to jujitsu, yes. learn the fundamentals, get more technical. And just practice, repeat the, repeat these fundamentals, repeat these drills mm -hmm. so that when you get, so instead of, you know, getting into a bar fight, you get into a, oh shit, I got to fucking flee the country. And, uh, or, you know, I need, to, I need, to, I, I lost my, my, my hardware wallet. How do I recover this? I've got my seed words. I don't know what I'm doing, but if you mm -hmm. do it over and over again yes. in low, uh, you know, low consequence situation, right. You're not going to die. Right. If you're practicing with a hundred bucks, mm -hmm. you know, so, yes. so when you need to do it, you are prepared mentally. You you control your breathing. You don't panic. It's exactly, yeah. you know, just like jujitsu, man. All right. <laughs> Master the fundamentals. Yes. That's right. Um, and the best jujitsu players, like the Gracies, if you look at the Gracies, Hickson Gracie, Kron Gracie, look at the, the fights of Kron Gracie, like this last one. The guy is fundamentally super strong. Everything is to the millimeter, he knows exactly where to, to put the pressure. This is great stuff. He doesn't do backflips and sidekicks and crazy stuff. Just the fundamentals bring you all the way. Oh, yeah. All right, Moritz, if people want to learn more about you or if they want to learn more about Spectre or both, what should mm -hmm. they do? They should follow the Spectre wallet on, on Twitter. And um, of course, follow Swan Bitcoin as we will uh, bring a solution uh, there quite soon towards the end of the year. 
And um, maybe you'll find me with my horrible second name on on Twitter too when you follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I still love the description. I don't. I can't remember the name of the word, but it was that neighborhood that you were talking about uh, where everybody had the the big revolution or party where you took the picture. The, the it's I can, all I can think of is Schlitterbahn, but it was something. But it was like, man, Germans have such a. They have I have crazy no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, I I have a ton of other questions that I want. So I'd love to speak to you again at some point. But thank you for Great. coming. Great. Thank you. Hell yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H R T L N D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike at run dance bitcoin that's all one word run dance bitcoin if you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high bitcoiners reach out to us holy toledo